My name is Christopher Bruce, and I'm a divorce attorney in North Palm Beach, Florida. I'm here today with our latest Stay Married Florida podcast with Karen Collins. Uh, Karen's a licensed clinical social worker, and she has a practice here in Jupiter, Florida. Um, Karen notably also recently authored the book In the Pink, Developing Healthy Relationships. Welcome to the show, Karen. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. And uh, the topic of our interview today is something that I think will be especially useful to a lot of people, and it's really about the focus of your book. And that subject is uh, developing and maintaining uh, healthy and happy relationships. I guess before we go too much further with this, I just wanted to ask you uh, if if you could help me understand from your perspective as a, a counselor and an author on this subject, what does represent a happy and healthy relationship? Well, I think that having a healthy and happy relationship is not as complicated as we sometimes think. Underneath all of the vulnerability, drama, misunderstandings, and confusion that complicate relationships, we all have the ability to identify and develop healthy relationships with others. But it does take effort to learn the skills needed to become a good partner and to find a good partner. Being a good partner is not something that we are born knowing how to do. It is a learned and progressive skill. So knowing that, I believe we all have the ability to learn that. And a healthy relationship, I feel like, is built on respect. Along with respect comes admiration. When we respect and admire someone, we think very highly of that person and usually treat them accordingly. So a happy relationship that offers mutual respect and mutual benefit is a great place to start, right? One of the most predominant qualities of a poor relationship is lack of respect for one another. When you see a couple treating each other with disrespect, it's a very strong indicator that they are not happy and are in trouble. So in other words, if you don't talk to your partner with the same respect that you would speak to a friend, a loved one, or coworker, boss or even family member, then you have to question, do you genuinely respect that person? So treating your partner like anything less than your intellectual and emotional equal can cause complications and distance within your relationship. I believe that lack of respect breeds resentment, and it is one of the quickest ways to undermine your relationship. All right, so when you're talking about having a happy and healthy relationship, I mean, what you're in somewhat uh, referring to is having the type of relationship where you and your spouse respect each other and treat each other as equals. Absolutely, and having mutual benefit within that relationship, which really means equally benefiting both of you so that one person isn't feeling like they're doing all of the giving and just kind of out there, you know, hoping and waiting for that other person to kind of meet their needs. Okay, Um, and, and I guess, you know, for the people out there that, um, have never really been in an extremely dedicated relationship or, you know, some of the people I, I come across in my divorce practice, uh, the people moving on from maybe a relationship that didn't work and some you know, instances might have actually been what you might refer to as toxic. What should people be doing um, as they regroup or, or, or seek or before they try to regroup and seek out a new relationship with somebody else? Well, I think, first off, it's important not to look at the end of a relationship as a failure. When a relationship ends, I think if we view it as the the relationship has simply ran its course, 
and ended when it is supposed to helps us have a healthy perspective. So that realization allows us the ability to heal and grow with a healthy perspective and can put us in a great position uh, to move forward. So when we view the relationship in that perspective, um, it allows us to be more objective to seeing and accepting the ending in a more timely manner as opposed to sticking out something that, you know, we're back and forth thinking, should I stay, should I go, or has this, you know, is this no longer a good fit for me? That kind of helps us if we're not thinking, gosh, you know, if this relationship ends, it's another failure for me. So if each relationship is viewed as an experience that presents the opportunity to gain more insight on what you need to know, you have the opportunity to grow as a partner in ways that will increase your chances of developing that healthy and happy relationship that you actually are longing for. But in between relationships, it can be helpful to take time off, to be alone and reflective, all part of the process in my opinion. So becoming a good partner is a process and it can be helpful to reflect on the previous relationship and yourself as a partner to come to become even better in the future. So how, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. And just to better define what you're looking for in a relationship. How, how do people go about trying to do that to try to figure out what it really is that they really want? Um, it is helpful to know yourself well, right? And actually, it's very normal to want things when we're younger that we no longer want when we're older. It's kind of natural that as we mature and gain insights that our wants and needs in a relationship will change. Um, so that's not uncommon that that's going to happen. But but you will benefit typically from spending time figuring out what your needs and wants are in someone and within a relationship. Um, You can learn from the experiences within other interpersonal relationships. Uh, You can take stock of your patterns of behavior that may have interfered in past relationships. And also looking at other people that you see in relationships that you admire and you like. What do they do? How do they react? Um, What do they have that you like or don't like? So really take a notice of what you do and don't want. And also knowing what you will and won't accept in a relationship um, and learning to be able to articulate that in a healthy way to your partner um, so that you can gain more of what you're looking for. Because it's not always a matter of, you know, oh, this, uh, this relationship isn't what I need or what I want. That doesn't necessarily mean it can't become that. Um, But once you're able to identify what it is you actually want and need, then you can ask for that better. So I have a few questions in my book that helps people identify that. But a couple of them would be, for instance, if you could create the ideal partner for you, what qualities would that person have? And listing those out and actually looking at, hey, you know, these are things that are appealing to me. This is what I want in someone and also describing what an ideal relationship for you would look like. That could mean, um, you know, I want somebody who likes uh, spending time outdoors. I want somebody who's super active, you know, whatever. I want somebody who um, enjoys spending a lot of time with me or doesn't need to spend a lot of time with me. But all of those things matter. And also, in addition to defining those wants and needs, what are your values? Um, what are your personal values? For instance, um, what about a family relations? Um, what kind of relationships do you have and do you want with your family? And making sure that 
you're looking for somebody who has similar. For instance, if you want to spend a ton of time with your family, but your partner doesn't really value that, that may down the road cause issues. So really kind of looking for somebody that aligns with your own personal values can be very helpful. Not always the case, but you can see where that might make a more solid foundation. Um, other values to consider would be intimate relations. You know, what kind of partner do you want to be and what quality of relationship do you want to have? How much time do you want to spend together? Some people like to be together all the time. Other people need their alone time and aligning with somebody that has a similar um, value point um, would be helpful. Also, physical well-being. You know, how active do you want to be? How healthy? How much exercise do you want to get? Also, what your parenting, thoughts are on parenting, friendship and social life, your employment. For instance, you know, um, how many hours are you comfortable working? If you are with a partner who works a lot and that is not what you align with, you only want to work 40 hours, that could be problematic. Education and personal growth. You see this time and time again where somebody or couples marry and one person um, may go back to school and then there's a discrepancy in the education and that can cause issues down the way. Um, not always, but can be a factor. Also spirituality, um, community, and recreation. You know, what types of activities do you enjoy doing? Somebody who likes being inside probably is not going to align with somebody who wants to be outside all the time at the beach or hiking. Um, those types of things all fit into the picture of finding that partner that's going to meet your needs and wants um, in a better way. That all makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I think at least the, some of the divorces I see, I just have the feeling people never sat down and did that. Um, they're just two vastly different people. And over time, once the, you know, the, the newness of the relationship starts to go, unfortunately, sometimes after a few children, a few years down the road, they just realize they, they are completely different in their set of values. Absolutely. I have said multiple times that it seems like people spend more time researching what they want in a vehicle or a car or, um, you know, a big purchase than they do in figuring out what they want in someone. It's almost like we're winging it. Well, this is a really, really big life-altering decision to make a commitment to somebody. Um, you know, even if it's not a marriage, there's still a commitment and time spent. We want to make sure that it's somebody who, you know, is a good fit for us. Otherwise, we are kind of setting ourselves up right for um, a potential end um, insight. But so, yeah, I mean, I, I really think that we need to spend more time figuring out what we're looking for in someone and who we are, too. And that matters as much as anything. So I guess if people do what you suggest and take some time to reflect upon themselves and, and their values and what they want and who they are, um, you know, they're ready. They, they want a new relationship. I mean, where do they start? I mean, do you have any suggestions for how people are su supposed to go out and, and find these these matches, so to speak? I mean, I probably have a whole interview just on this, but do you have any suggestions just from your experience? Sure, I love this question. Um, I think meeting people can be easier if you present yourself in a way that you appear open to it. You know, we have to um, look approachable, right? So when you're out 
at the grocery store, at the bookstore, at the beach, or anywhere there are other people making a point to look approachable and friendly. Our body language says a lot. If we look friendly and open to people making small talk with us, we might be surprised at how many interesting people will suddenly be drawn to us. Um, so really just putting yourself out there. Um, and, and, you know, it's not necessarily looking at every venue we go to as being an opportunity to meet the one, but just to be interesting and fun and open to, you know, meeting people in general. Because you never know where that's going to lead, right? Um, you could meet somebody in the grocery store and, and she might say, you know what, my son would be perfect for you. You may want to run at the moment because it may not sound great, <laughs> but you never know, right? You just never know. Um, in addition, I think utilizing activities and venues that are natural to you can be a good resource, like joining groups and participating in activities that you already like to do. Um, locally, uh, I think a great resource, well, it's, it's actually U.S.-wide, um, no matter where you live, you can go to meetup.com online and put in your interests, your location, and find groups in the area that people are doing activities, uh, you know, setting up different activities based on that group. For instance, if you like um, paddleboarding, you can put in, if you're in Palm Beach County, Palm Beach County paddleboarding clubs or groups. And there's all kinds of people who have different groups that you can look through and say, okay, you know what, this sounds like fun. And they have activities set up um, that you can join um, and then that's a great way to meet people. It's not a dating site, by no means, but it's a great way to put yourself out there and be social and meet people. Also, I think networking within your circle of friends, um, to be introduced to people that your friends already know and like. I mean, that's like a, a recommendation, right? Hey, I know this guy who is a really nice guy. I think, you know, you guys would at least make good friends. would be perfect, right? Um, there's kind of an element of trust that goes with that, too, when somebody comes recommended from a friend. Uh, also, the obvious online dating, which I think is a fantastic resource. It allows for an opportunity to meet people that you would likely never meet otherwise. Um, because what are the odds? I mean, we're all so busy. What are the odds that we're going to run into that one person um, that maybe we're intended to be with, that we happen to be at the public's shopping at the very same time, right? Probably not very likely. Yeah, I'm thinking not. <laughs> right? So, and the other thing about online, um, the online dating is great because you get to see, you know, a snippet of them. You can, you know, already kind of establish, hey, you know, I want somebody who has, you know, a certain level of education or, you know, uh, I don't know, a certain look or whatever the case may be and read their profile and kind of get a snippet of who they are. You can't do that by just viewing somebody, you know, at, at the store. And the other thing you can't see when you just run across somebody is if they are single. You don't know that. But hopefully, if they're on Match.com, they are single. Um, there are a few exceptions to that. But most of the time. <laughs> I know. That's why I said hopefully. I would <laughs> like to think that most people are genuine and not, not doing something underhanded. But you know, within everything, we have to be careful no matter where we meet somebody, right? You know, making sure that people do what they say they're going to do. That's, you know, if they don't, huge red flag, no matter where you meet them at. So, um, and also, I think, you know, they're simply enjoying life 
you will automatically find opportunities to meet people. Um, it's just getting out there and enjoying life. And, you know, I, I've met many people who seem to be kind of putting their life on hold um, looking for that person. And to me, that's exactly what we shouldn't do because when we are out living and just enjoying life and doing fun things and being social and interesting, we meet people, and that's what it's all about. Um, and, and also being comfortable being single until you do meet somebody that you really have interest in um, makes that, sense to me, right? Well, that I mean, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. And, I mean, one thing you, you covered in the book, and I think a lot of people out there, especially some of those that are um, in a new relationship after coming out of one that maybe wasn't healthy and happy, what should people be doing when they're they're in the early stages of dating that next person that they, they think they're having a great bond with? Which, what should they do to try to create a good start and build a strong foundation for their relationship? Right. I explain this kind of under the umbrella of developing the rules of a new relationship. I think those rules, and I, I use the term rules loosely because I don't really like that word, but... The rules of a new relationship begin to be defined from the very first contact we have with someone. The tendencies and manners of how we treat each other are easily established with each interaction. So when you meet somebody and begin a new relationship, you can kind of let things slide, make excuses for them, or dismiss something that may bother you because it's new, it's early, you know, you don't want to rock the boat or um, don't want conflict or don't want them to think you're difficult, whatever the case may be. But... By avoiding these often initial minor things, you can set the relationship up for potential suffer, um, to potentially suffer down the road. Um, and what, so what I mean by this is kind of, I guess, the best way to look at this concept is considering that you can and do teach others how to treat you. So what we accept or what you accept or don't accept can determine who is in your life and how he or she treats you. So by knowing how you expect to be treated and how to treat others with respect and care, you automatically draw people to you um, that meet those treatment standards and eliminate relationships with those who do not. Um, so, for instance, if, if you if, – if uh, your partner does something, says something to you that's hurtful, you know, letting them know at that time, say, hey, you know, I'm not sure what you meant by that. Can you clarify? You know, and if it is what – you thought they meant, then letting them know, hey, that's hurtful to me, because maybe they didn't consider that. Maybe they didn't know that. Um, or if there's something, if they set up something with you to do and then they cancel out or don't call you and let you know they can't come, letting them know, hey, that's not going to fly with me. You know, if you have a change in plan, you have to let me know. And when we call folks out on something that is bothersome to us, you know, they kind of have a choice at that point. They can say, you know, um, gosh, you know, that's how I am, and that's how I want to treat somebody. So I better go, maybe I need to go find somebody else who's going to let me do that because this person's not going to do that. Um, you know, I think especially, like, when it's when it's more um, difficult things. Like, for instance, say somebody has, the, the guy has a bad day at work and he comes home and is short-tempered and difficult and, um you know, kind of taking it out on his girlfriend or his wife. Yeah. You know, for her to be able to say, hey, you know, I know you've had a bad day. It sounds like you've had a really bad day. Is there anything I can do? But you can't yell at me. You can't take it out on me. 
And that allows them at that time to really think, okay, hey, you know what? I didn't realize I was doing that. I'm sorry. Um, but if this is who I am and this is what I want to do, I better find somebody else who's going to tolerate it because this girl isn't going to. Um, it, it's harder. You know, if we wait six months down the road and this person's been doing this for six months, it's much harder to then say, hey, you know what? You can't yell at me. It's like, I've been doing it for six months. What do you mean I can't yell at you? It's much harder to change after the fact. Gotcha. Um, in the book, you know, there, I think it's chapter five, you, you talk about how uh, people can help grow their relationship and become a little bit closer to one another by uh, what you refer to as developing their own love story. Uh, maybe just in basic terms, if you could explain uh, what that process entails and, and how it can help people have a, you know, a happier and healthier relationship as they grow together. I think writing your own love story with your partner offers the opportunity to think about what you want and need in your relationship ongoing. And as your wants and needs change, you can express those changes in your story. There's something about writing, you know, it down that makes it more real and um, more more able for people to commit to. And it's fun. You know, to actually think about, you know, during the day what you might want to write and say, you know, in your story, whether you guys decide, hey, we're going to do this in the evening um, or we're going to do it separately and email the, you know, chapters or the sections to one another. But if you think about it, we are already writing our own love story. It just may not be with the intention and direction that it would be if we were actually putting it into writing. You know, everything we do with our partner is developing that love story. But I think putting it in writing gives us more opportunity to think about it and do it with intention and more direction. One of the things you talked about in your book is that sometimes people might seem to think that you know, the main issues or problems in their life is related to the relationships, whether it be their significant other or spouse. And Kind of explaining in the book that it's it's not always that simple and that sometimes a person's quality of life is really affected by their overall well-being and mental health. Um, I, I guess, what did you really mean by that? And do you have any suggestions for how people can make sure they, they keep a positive overall well-being and good mental health, if that's possible? Absolutely. I think our quality of life is affected by our overall well-being and mental health. So if we are, you know, having relationship tension and issues, um, it makes sense to make sure there's not other things going on that is impacting that. So, for instance, being depressed and anxious can impact the quality of your relationship. Being in a stressful relationship can produce depression and anxiety. One affects the other. So it's important to understand the connection between thoughts, feelings, and our actions and behavior. So our thoughts can determine how we feel about something and in turn produce a particular reaction. Um, if, we're, if we're thinking, you know, about our relationship, um, we might be looking at, um, we might be thinking that, gosh, you know, things aren't going so good here. And if we're depressed, we might be harsher on the judgment of that relationship. Um, when things aren't so bad, if we're not depressed, it doesn't look quite as grave if we're not as depressed um, or if we're not depressed at all, for that matter. One of the things... So really, okay, go ahead. 
Yeah, I was just going to say, so really just making sure that we are um, taking good care of ourselves um, and our mental health matters. You know, how we, if we're depressed, we're probably not going to be as um, open to doing things or as fun and active or as engaging with our partner. I guess on a related note, um, if you could explain what is self-preservation and how does somebody's focus on their own self-preservation affect their relationships? Self-preservation is a natural or instinctive tendency to act in a way that preserves your own existence. That may sound a little dramatic because I know that most of us are not having daily life or death situations occur, but if we think about this concept for a second, even the little daily negative encounters that we experience can provoke a similar defensive response, causing stress and strain on our mind and body. So by minimizing the impact of daily stressors, we can protect our emotional health. So what I'm suggesting is a lifestyle that is conducive to being emotionally and physically healthy. In other words, more often than not, making choices that will positively impact us, having a lifestyle that becomes a natural way to live that encourages good health and happiness. You know, stress can negatively impact us, causing our mind and body to react, sending both physical and emotional energy that really, you know, if we had that energy at the end of the day, we could utilize it for greater health and well-being and with our partner. You know, when all these little, I kind of like call them darts, when all these little darts hit us during the day, it could be, you know, driving to work and people cutting us off in traffic and we react, we get upset. Or it could be a coworker. Um, you know, doing something that, you know, we allow to affect us. Those things all add up and take energy from us. They take mental and physical energy from us. And I think realizing that, you know, we can't control others. You know, we can't control the driver driving in front of us erratically, but we can control our reaction to it, and we can prevent an overreaction to whatever comes our way. Um, And there's certain protective behaviors that can assist us in feeling well and feeling better whether we're under stress or when stressors come our way. For example, one of the things I recommend is limiting accepting additional responsibilities. So when you feel stressed, when you have a, a few things on your plate already that you can't eliminate, you can eliminate saying yes to the friend who says, hey, I'm moving this weekend, can you come help me, when really... What would help you more is staying home and relaxing. One of my favorite things to say is doing nothing is doing something. Sometimes we need to simply sit still and do nothing. That's good for our mental health. And another um, protective behavior is choosing your responses to stressors carefully, like I was just kind of explaining. So if someone cuts us off in traffic, not reacting to that and catching ourselves before we do get upset about that. Who knows? The person may not have seen us. They may be in a hurry. Usually what I say is I guess that person wants a ticket worse than I do. <laughs> and that takes, you know, it's like, then I, or, or you know, who knows? You know, um, maybe if they're late for work one more time, they're going to be fired. Whatever the reason is, it doesn't matter to me. I know that I care enough about my own emotional health that I'm not going to get upset about that. It's not worth it to me because at the end of the day, I want I want enough energy to spend time with my significant other and my family. Um, additionally, another protective factor is taking care of yourself by eating well, exercising, adding fun activities into your life, spending time with supportive friends and family. 
uh, all of those things because it is very holistic. We need to make sure we're doing all of those things for ourselves. I cannot stress exercising enough. Um, the emotional benefit to exercise is incredible. I probably need to listen to that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess uh, just, you know, one more question, if I may, and this is, uh, you know, near the end of the book, and it's, I think, you know, a question that is uh, probably very important for some people listening to this, and that's, you know, the issue of how does somebody determine whether they should stay or, or go in a relationship? I mean, obviously what we're trying to, to talk about um, here in this interview and promote through staymarriedflorida.com is having healthy and happy relationships and keeping relationships together. But at least for my practice and what I do for a living, I, I think some people and myself would agree that having a healthy relationship sometimes requires getting out of the bad one. Um, how should people go about trying to, to make the choice? I mean, if, should I stay or should I go? In my ideal world as a therapist, most couples who are having issues would have contacted me or a therapist months, if not years before, at the first sign of their disconnect. But that simply isn't reality. It is common for couples to think that, you know, whatever we're going through, it's just a bump in the road. We'll get through it. It'll pass. Um, and it can be difficult for people to acknowledge that they may need direction and guidance to know how to have a great relationship or how to strengthen their relationship. And I think that's a mistake that a lot of us make. We think we should know these things. We should know how to be, you know, a good partner. But that, again, you know, going back to what I initially said, it's a very, it's very much a learned and progressive skill. And gaining knowledge about how to have a healthy relationship makes sense, just like we would research, you know, how to do things that are important to us. So deciding to come see a therapist is a very healthy decision, and the health and happiness of many relationships actually depend on it. Um, I believe that couples have to exhaust all resources, including therapy, before they make that decision to end the relationship. But the catch in that is often people wait until it's, you know, one or, one or both people have nine toes out the door, and it can be a very, you know, complicated thing at that point. Um, but also, in addition, I just kind of, we touched on this a little bit before about the depression and anxiety, but I also feel like before anyone should make a decision about ending a relationship, I think it's very important to rule out any underlying mental health issues, such as depression and anxiety. Before I had said they're connected, you know, if we're having relationship issues, that can lead to depression and anxiety. But sometimes, you know, depression and anxiety can you know, lead to the issues as well in the relationship. So that's another great reason to go to a therapist because that therapist can treat or rule those things out. Um, and if anyone is experiencing depression or ongoing anxiety, I would never recommend them make a life-altering decision such as ending a relationship or marriage until that is treated and they have a more clear perspective. Um, it's not uncommon for people who are experiencing um, relationship stress to be, de be depressed or anxious, so it kind of goes hand in hand. Um, and like I had mentioned a little bit before, when someone's depressed or anxious, their perception of the situation can be distorted. So they can think maybe, oh, wow, this relationship is just awful. They only see all the negatives, none of the, none of the positives. Um, they may think it's worse than it is. They may actually be more irritable, the person who's depressed. Um, 
more easily annoyed with their partner, more distant, less forgiving. Um, and they may not see any hope within the relationship and think that the only solution is leaving it, when really the depression kind of is clouding that. Um, because depression is a very dark and a difficult place to be. People don't see things as they actually are often if they're feeling depressed. So if the underlying issues with depression and anxiety are resolved, um, there's an opportunity for better resolution of the relationship issues. So um, I encourage couples to exhaust all resources, including therapy, before deciding to end their relationship, especially if children are involved. But if both people feel like they have done that and it's time to move forward separately, um, doing it with kindness and respect to one another is incredibly beneficial to all involved. Um, I believe that it's respectable and very doable to leave one another in a healthy way that minimizes the negative emotional and financial impact on each other. That, to me, is the respectable thing to do. But again, you know, prior to that decision, really exhausting every resource. Because there are resources out there for people if they are inclined to utilize them. Gotcha. Um, I guess, and you're speaking about endings, but we're getting about close to the time that uh, I think we both set aside uh, to do this. So I, I want to thank you for making the time for me to call you up and interview you. And maybe before we go here, you could just let people who are listening uh, know how they can get in touch with you and maybe find out a little bit more about your book. Great. Thank you. You can reach me at Karen Collins, Developing Healthy Relationships. My office is located at 4266 West Main Street in Jupiter. My email address is KarenCollins71 at yahoo.com, and my phone number is 561-512-9743. And you can gain a lot of information from my website at www.thelettererlobestory.com, so www.ourlovestory.com. You can purchase In the Pink, Developing Healthy Relationships on my website or on Amazon.com and Kindle. Thank you so much for meeting with me today. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about this. Oh, it's my pleasure. For more information about StayMarriedFlorida.com, uh, go right to the website, www.StayMarriedFlorida.com. To reach divorce and family law attorney Christopher Bruce, call 561-844-1200 or email him at cbruce at nugentlawfirm.com.